you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. It's just amazing what's in my brain sometimes. I'm sorry. Um, Matthew chapter 28, we are um, looking at the Great Commission this morning. We're continuing on in our series called Go Coastal. And this morning is called Go Coastal Through the Power of Christ. Through the Power of Christ. Matthew 28, I want to, I want to back up um, and I want to start at the very beginning, verse 1, Jesus rises from the dead. He rises himself through his own power, the resurrection power, doesn't die again. He just ascends into heaven. In Matthew 28, 1, it says, now after the Sabbath... Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, that's Sunday, it's why we worship on Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for... I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them, the women. And said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. It's interesting. Like they got to see him. They're in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, Go tell my disciples to take a two day journey up to a mountain, and then they'll see me. Think about that for a second. I'm going to skip verses 11 through 15. It talks about what happened with the guards and the religious leaders paying them off. And now verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them. Now he had appeared to them on their way to Galilee. They stayed over the night. Now if you're going to Galilee, it's about, if you go really, really fast and you work really hard from Jerusalem to Galilee, it's about a two days journey by walking. And that's a lot of walking. And so that night, Jesus appears to them in John 20, and then in John, uh, and then here in Matthew 28, 16, we have the second appearance, and it's on the mountaintop in Galilee. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. What mountain? The Bible doesn't tell us. I believe it was Mount Arbel. On top of that mountain, you can actually see the entire Sea of Galilee. You can see 90% of where Jesus did his ministry, where Jesus walked on water, where Jesus fed the 5,000, where Jesus cast out the demons, the, demon, the demonic man in garrison, and all of the, the major little villages around. And they saw him, and they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus, and Matthew is complete. The Gospel of Matthew is complete. Jesus commissions them, invites them, just as he's invited us this morning to be a part of his work. Jesus has made the gospel accessible. If you're taking notes, pull out your notes now and write this down. Jesus has made the gospel accessible to everyone through his love, his power, and his authority. I love that song, How He Loves Us. Every time I hear it, I just think of John 3.16, afresh and anew. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Christ has invited us Christians. He's invited his disciples, us Christians, to participate in the duplicating of what Jesus did with his disciples. Be a part of lives transformed that we get to be a part of seeing lives transformed. It's not just God transforming lives on his own apart from us, although he could surely do that, but he invites us to be a part of that. It's not a burden, but a blessing. And I think until we realize that this is the greatest blessing that God has given to us to be a part of his work, that he gets to participate, that we get to participate with God in the work of salvation by sharing the good news with people. I think we're incomplete as Christians until we start to do this and make disciples of our own, disciples of Jesus. But back to the story you have Jesus, and he's on top of the mountain. And the disciples come and they're, they're there and they see him, but some are doubting and Jesus is looking at them and he just says, listen, go. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go. Don't just go in the Galilee region. Don't just go in Israel. It's not just for the Jews. It's for everyone, all nations. Go, make disciples. And how do you make a disciple? What do you do? Well, they knew what to do because for the last three years, Jesus was modeling the good news of Jesus Christ with them. He was modeling it for them. He just didn't say, go and tell people about Jesus, and then if they receive him, great, then you tell them to go to church. No, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Well, how do you make a disciple? How did Jesus make a disciple? Well, he took them with him. He said, follow me. He says, go where I go. Watch me in action. Be a part of this. And I want you to do the same thing. Amen. And he says, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you, you're going to do greater works because he's come. It's kind of exciting. And so if you're taking notes, there's four truths about how Jesus will accomplish the transformation of lives. Four truths here from these verses. It's important for us to see this. So pull out your notes and pull out your pen. 
Then I'm going to get on the whiteboard and we're going to get real practical. First thing is this. Jesus Christ will use us. We are his witnesses. We are his witnesses. How is Jesus going to accomplish this task? He's going to use us. The God of the universe is inviting us and wants to use us to see lives transformed because we are his witnesses. If you're a Christian here today, it means this, that Christ has come, he's come into your life, he's changed you and transformed you, and now it's our responsibility to be able to go and tell others. It's our privilege to go and be witnesses. Think about witnesses in a courtroom. What does a witness do? They give their testimony. I mean, don't you watch Law and Order? People are like, no, I don't watch it. There's like 47 versions of it. But it's this idea, and some witnesses are really good, and some witnesses are really bad. But they're witnesses in a courtroom. What do they do? They give their testimony. They sit on a witness stand. They face the courtroom. The witnesses are asked to testify by one party or another. A witness is someone who has or who claims to have, or is thought to have, by someone with authority, a compelling testimony. Which means this, to have knowledge relevant to an event of interest. That's a witness. All you're doing is just sharing what happened to you, or what you experienced, or what you were a part of. It's not for the people to believe you or not. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is for you to be a witness. And Jesus looks at his disciples in Acts chapter chapter 1, before he ascends up into heaven, the last time he's with his disciples, and he looks at his disciples and says, you are my witnesses. Acts 1.8, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the end of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You're to testify. Can I get a witness? Ha! You're to testify. And Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, you have to go and you have to be my witnesses. You have to go. You have to make disciples. I love the world. God loves these people and he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his disciples. He sent me and he sent you to tell and to be his witnesses. God's plan for transformed lives is us. Don't think any differently. Well, you know, I'm not really good at it. I'm kind of afraid. I just get so overwhelmed inside. Maybe I say the wrong thing. Well, do witnesses say the wrong thing? Yes. Do witnesses mess up? Yes. And they swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Do they mix it up? Yes. But guess what? Jesus still wants to use us. Number two. Jesus has all power and authority. What do we need to fear? 
most people are afraid of going because they're afraid of being exposed or they're afraid of not having the right words to say or they're afraid of not doing it right or they're afraid of not, I mean, whatever. I had a friend of mine that, that had the opportunity to see come to Christ and he had just gotten saved and he wanted to share Christ so bad the problem was he cursed like a sailor. But he would go up to people and he would curse like a sailor as he's telling them about Jesus. And I would be there to kind of help him. Yeah, we don't really want to use those words. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so stupid. And then he would say some more four-letter words and they would be like, like, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But it was so part of his DNA he had all this residue of sin on his life. And some of us, listen, we still have the residue and the scars from the sin. But that doesn't mean God can't use us. No, God, God, God wants to use us. That's why he looked at his disciples and said, go. Make disciples. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. I have all power and authority. And then look at the passage. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. But I'm not going to save everybody, myself, although he could have. He's saying, I'm sending you to go to share this message. What are you afraid of? Matthew chapter 27, 1 through 3. I'm sorry, Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3 says this. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh. It's really weird. My adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. What's your confidence in today? It should not be in your ability, but it should be in the Lord and if the Lord, your confidence is in the Lord, then guess what? What do you need to be afraid of? He's invited us to help him. He has all power and authority to do it in himself, but yet he wants to include us in the process. It's not a burden to share our faith. It should be a blessing, and we should view it as such. It's a blessing that we are missing out on if we do not share the gospel because we're missing out on seeing people being transformed. What did he say? Go and make disciples. Baptize them. Have you ever had the opportunity? This is what's great about Coastal. You, you lead someone to the Lord, then look at them and say, hey, guess what? Now it's time to be baptized, to demonstrate that you're saved. Wow. And then you come to Coastal and say, hey, listen, now here's the baptism class, and you go through that with them or whatever, and then what, what happens? You stand there, and you get to baptize them. And all the stuff and all the junk that they put you through in the process of them coming to Christ, just hold them under a little longer. Just want to make sure. God bless, they're baptized. Woo! I'm kidding. But we get to be a part of that. We get to do what the Bible says. We get to go and make disciples and baptize them. All power and authority has been given to Jesus. What are we afraid of? If you had the cure of cancer, would you share it? If you had that cure, you had the pill, 
The red pill or the blue pill? You decide. No, you have the cure to cancer. And you walk into a cancer room or a cancer ward where people are all hooked up to the IV drips and said, here's the cure. All you have to do is take this pill and you'll be healed. I remember sitting in a room full of armchairs and IV drips when I had cancer. There is nothing I wouldn't have done to take that pill. You could not, I, I, there, I mean, I would, have, I would have run. I would have gotten out of that chair so fast. As you're sitting around the room, faced with your own mortality. You have the cure to death. You do. It's called eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you get to help people pass from eternal death to eternal life. What are you afraid of? Being rejected? Yeah, you will be rejected. There would be some people in that room that would be skeptical and say, you know what, I don't believe that's the cure to cancer and I'm not going to take it or try it. That's okay. But at least you offered. But at least you fumbled through it. What's great is, is that it's free. The gift of salvation is free. It doesn't cost anything. and We don't have to do anything to earn it or deserve it. It's based upon the fact that God loves us. And he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins and bodily rise from the dead. Which is number three, how does Jesus want to accomplish the transformation of lives? Number three, Jesus has the purpose and plan for all of us. And what's that purpose and plan? According to Scripture, it's to make disciples. What's the goal or what's the end game of being a witness? It's not just to see a soul converted. It's to make a disciple who makes a disciple, who makes a disciple, who makes a disciple. Jesus did not say, listen to me once a week. He said, follow me. Go where I go. Live alongside me. See my witness. See my life. Some of us are afraid to share our faith because we don't want people to get too close for us and see the weaknesses and the things that are messed up in our lives. And here's the reality. The more they see that, the more they go, wow, Jesus must really work. Some of you guys didn't understand that, so let me say it again. You're messed up. I'm messed up. I need Jesus every day in my life. And he saved me. And if he could save me, I know that he can save you. And when they start to share their sin in their life and the things of going, I don't think God can save me, here's got to be your response. Is that all? Is that it? Shoot, Jesus died for that before breakfast. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. He loves you. He died on the cross and proved it. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. 
And he wants you to be a disciple. And it's up to us to be the witnesses of this. Number four, Jesus will be with us always to accomplish the mission. Jesus will be with us always to accomplish this mission. Hebrews 13.5, everybody hold up your fist. I've done it before, I'm going to do it again. I love Hebrews 13.5. I do this with my kids. I do this with everybody. Hebrews 13.5 is this. Ready? Hold up your pinky. I, say it, I will never leave. Take the thumb and pour it into your heart. You. It's Jesus talking. We'll do it again. Jesus said, I will never leave you. Hebrews 13.5, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with us always. You might be here and you might be feeling very alone. Let me share something with you. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you if you are his child. And he wants and he wants to be with you to help accomplish the mission that he has for you. He's already at work in the lives of people. See, we have these lists of people that we're praying for. A neighbor, a friend, a coworker. Do you know that we're praying for them? We prayed for them this week. But he's at work already through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now he's just waiting for you to open your mouth and to share it with them. And the Holy Spirit is doing things in their life that we have no idea what's going on. We have no idea what's happening, but He's doing it. And all we have to do is open our mouth and watch the Holy Spirit of God work. Well, I don't know, I might say the wrong things. Well, say something. I want to take the next few moments. How do you share this faith? I got the whiteboard here. Everyone pull out. You came in, you got a little napkin. It's just actually a piece of paper, but it looks like a napkin. The gospel on a napkin. I do this a lot. I, I invite people to go to coffee, and I, this is how I ask them to go to coffee. I'm not trying to sell them something. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to deceive them. This is what, very quickly, this is how I do it. I say, hey, would you like to go get coffee and talk about God? And then it, the power is with them. They get to decide. They don't know that the power is with God. All authority has been given to God and the Holy Spirit of God's working in their life because I've been praying for them. But they go, yes, I think I would. Then we go, I buy them a cup of coffee. It's $20 at Starbucks. I'm sorry, it's a little less than that, but it feels like 20 bucks. And, and I get a coffee and they get a coffee and we sit down and guess what we're going to talk about? God, they already know. And so guess what? I asked them about God. What do you know about God? What do you think about God? Well, you know, I go to church, or, you know, I, I do a lot of good things, or, you know, what do you think about heaven? I just start asking them questions. And then they start talking. Do you, have a, do you, do you know God? Well, yeah, I, I think I, I know of Him. Have you ever asked God to, to save you? To come into your life. Get a little more personal. Oh, you know, I don't know. Um, maybe. I've got a guy that I've been ministering to for 22 years. He's my friend. And I talk to him about the gospel a lot. 
And the Holy Spirit of God, I believe, is at work in his life. And he calls me when he has problems. Oh, man, I'm really having problems. What do you think I should do? Well, you know, I know the Jesus thing, but what, what do you think I should do? Because it started with a conversation in a coffee shop. And I pulled out a napkin. And I opened it up. I turned it upside down. And I said, hey, let me share with you what the gospel is. And I said, man, their entire life has been trying to get to God. And I draw little people. And I said, and men and women, if you want to write this down, put this in your napkin, put this on your little piece of paper. Everybody's trying to get to God. And they're trying to build a bridge because over here is God and all his splendor and majesty. And so people have been trying to build bridges of religion, of good works. of money. People have been trying to do things, but the Bible says that everything falls short. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's no way that these people can get to God. And in the end, that falls off. And if you want to listen to Pastor Sean's sermon on hell, and you can try to, you try to get to God through these things, and it's not going to get you there. No matter how hard you try. And what's going to happen is it's just going to end up in loss. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And let me tell you something. I tried some of these things. And they didn't work. But in Romans 5.8, it says this, But God demonstrated his love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what happened? I couldn't get to God. We can't get to God. Nobody can get to God. God had to get to us. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to get to us. And then I draw a little cross. Thank you. He said fancy. That's And God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. What's the gospel? What do we have to do? Pastor Sean talked about it last week. What's the gospel? Does anybody know what the gospel is? The gospel is this. Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. What are the facts of the gospel? Well, what's the last one? Jesus what? He bodily rose from the dead. Jesus didn't stay dead, but he died on the cross for our sins and he bodily Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. 
And so now I have the option to come to God through Jesus Christ. It's the only way that I'll be able to get there. Through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Only through Jesus can I get to God. Only through Jesus can I have eternal life. Now, there's still people that are going to reject Jesus, and they're going to end up trying through money, through good works, but they're going to fall short. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can look at this and say, wow, Jesus did that for me? Yes, God did that for you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. He bodily rose from the dead. And you have to, what do I have to do? So now what do I have to do? What, what's the response? I repent, believe, and receive. Repent, believe, and receive. Repent of my sins. I ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins because he died on the cross for my sins. I believe the core facts of the gospel. I believe these. But belief is not enough. I have to receive. John 1.12 says this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. There's a lie being taught today in the world and it's that all people are children of God and that's not true. Only those that have believed and received Jesus are children of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 says that, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Now we're all created in the image of God. That's true. But only those that have invited and received Jesus Christ can get to God. And I pull out the napkin and I draw this. I said, where are you on this journey? Where are you? Do you, have you repent, believed, and received to Jesus? This is the gospel. This is what we talk about. This is what we share. And you can fumble through it all you want, and it's okay. Draw the little thing, and some of you might want to just draw a little, you know, I draw little stick figures or whatever. This is one of the ways that I share the gospel with people. Here's the deal. It's not my words, though. It's the power of God that saves people. All I'm doing is witnessing, testifying, sharing. It's up to God whether they're going to come to know Christ. After I share this, oftentimes I just sit there and wait in silence. Sometimes I wait. Do you, know, do you realize that 60, the Holy Spirit of God in 60 seconds can do more than 60 minutes of me talking? Amen. People are like, well, why don't you just shut up then? <laughs> All right, I will. I want to I bring up a clock. People are afraid of the silence, especially in our society. And in the next 60 seconds, we're going to let the 60 seconds just we're going to sit in silence for 60 seconds. And let's see what happens. Go ahead.
We live in a society that wants to fill the silence with noise. But the Bible says that Jesus, that the Lord is found in the still small voice sometimes. And sometimes when we just sit back and let the Spirit of God do what he does, it's far more effective than anything we could say. This is the gospel. This is what we share. Are we willing to go? Are we looking for people of peace? What are people of peace? People of peace are people that are open to hearing the message. Hey, would you be open to talking about God? Sure. Some of you need to get today or this week, invite your neighbor for coffee. Invite your coworker to coffee. Invite someone on that board to coffee. You might be the only Jesus they see or hear about. If they're open to speak, praise God. If they're not, praise God. Keep praying. My grandmother, my great-grandmother came to know Christ at 92 years old. My mom prayed 36 years. She was a Christian scientist. She was a Christian scientist. 36 years my mom prayed for her. At 92 years old, my uncle sat down with her, shared the gospel with her, and she said, you know what, I've been Christian science my whole life. She said, and it's not doing anything for me, and so you know what, I think I need to invite Christ into my life. And at 92, she bent the knee and invited Christ into her life. I have an uncle that my grandmother was witnessing to for years and years and years. I've taken up the mantle. And every time I share Christ with him, I have a friend, 22 years. I'm not giving up until they breathe their last breath. Now, am I careful about it? Absolutely. But if my friend for 22 years, what do you think I should do? I'm having marital problems. Well, I think you should give your life to Jesus Christ. I know the Jesus crap. I know, I know, I know. But what, what do you think I should do? How should I be a better husband? I think you should give your life to Jesus. I know, I know, I know. And then I sit down and I talk with him and I said, you know what, this, this will help you temporarily, but it's not going to help you forever. Only Christ can help you forever. He shared the gospel plenty of times and it's my prayer that he comes to know Jesus. Are we willing to go? Are we willing to be a witness to Jesus Christ? Are we willing to share the gospel? Let's pray. If you're here today and you've never understood the gospel until today or you've never received this gospel that Jesus is God, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, Jesus bodily rose from the dead, then it's my prayer this morning that you would pray and invite Christ into your life. And very simply, you just say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. I repent of my sins. And then list them if you want to. I receive your forgiveness for them. I believe that you are God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you bodily rose from the dead. And I receive you into my life knowing that you're the only one that can save me. I love you. If you prayed that prayer and you invited Christ into your life and you received him, then you are saved. And I'll be up here afterwards and there'll be people in the prayer chapel that would love to take a Bible and just talk with you about the decision that you made. But don't leave here without telling somebody. For those of you that are here that are Christians, 
tell somebody. Go, tell somebody. Just witness or testify to what Jesus has done in your life. He loves you. He loves them. Precious Father, I pray, Lord God, for each person here that calls themselves Christians, and I pray, Lord God, they would open their mouth this week and they would share Christ with someone. That they would not go out of here, Lord God, and think, oh man, that's for somebody else to do, Lord God. But I pray, Lord God, you would, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would encourage them and prod them on to love and good works. That they would open their mouth and they would recognize, Lord, that it is no perfect mouthpiece, Lord God, but there's only a perfect God and a perfect Savior and that we need the gospel. And we need it every day of our lives. And I pray that you would change us and transform us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.